Somewhere over the ocean, in between Canada and Iceland, I sat wrapped in a blanket in the dark airliner cabin, meditating. Through my headphones, the person guiding the meditation asked, Who or what are you resisting? What came to the surface brought me to tears of joy. Of all the branches of philosophy, Stoicism is the most pragmatic and actionable. It's about finding tranquility independent of circumstance by understanding and mastering what you control and letting go of what you don't. This podcast is about bridging the gap between the beautiful, concise teachings of the Stoics and everyday life. Each week, we bring quotes from the Stoics that are meaningful to us on our journey to better embody the ideals that they taught, with the hope that seeing personal struggle will be universally applicable. The theme of today's episode is the Stoic Soul Spring Cleaning. Bruce has bravely volunteered for us to take a deep dive into his soul and to see what things he would like to clean out of it and which Stoic virtues are going to replace those things. Then we're going to go into the Stoic reimagining, another tantalizing experience that Bruce had on an airplane, a conversation he overheard on his way to Boston to run in the Boston Marathon. Then we are going to finish up the original story of Bruce on an airplane, and we're going to find out what he learned on that plane ride. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into the first quote. And I did want to clarify that even though this is two gingers talking about their soul, that we do have them. <laughs> I didn't approve of that joke being said, but here we are. <laughs> we, can, we can cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So this quote comes from Marcus Aurelius in the Meditations, and he says, Wash yourself clean with simplicity, with humility, with indifference to everything but right and wrong. I really like how it says to wash yourself clean, but like, what does it mean for you to wash yourself clean with simplicity? Well, simplicity is without unnecessary complexity, and so... I do feel like it's this removal process of things that are not like make your life too complex and are just not needed. And uh, I like that idea of washing <laughs> almost like it's this dirt. Like it's, it's that feeling of like when you get out of the shower, right? <laughs> and you just feel clean and new again. Like I really do feel like that's, this, this idea of simplicity where it's like it's getting rid of the unnecessariness of, of a lot of things. We go through life and we collect a lot of stuff, like baggage. <laughs> when we talk about baggage, like it's interesting that we use that term, right? It's it's things that you have that you don't really need or you're just carrying a lot, right? And so I think washing your soul with simplicity is really that idea of just getting back to what do you need? Um, and... So we have this quote from Seneca that I really like, and and, and the idea uh, today is is basically derived from this. And I will give credit because Justin found it. I did. <laughs> so, but I I really like what he found here. It says, "Virtue will not bring herself to enter the limited space which we offer her. Something of great size requires plenty of room. Let everything else be evicted, and your heart be completely open to her." And so I'm curious, Justin, why did you why did you pick that quote? Why did you think that went along with what we're talking about today? Uh, I think it works perfectly with the idea of 
kind of the baggage we pick up, it kind of takes up all this room. And I think maybe just because I'm moving next week. And so I'm, I'm realizing how much stuff I've accumulated and how because of all that, and I have to fit everything into my car. And I'm suddenly realizing I have a lot of things that I don't need. And anything I put into my car is kind of, it's making not enough space for something else. And so it's like, do I want this shirt or do I want this random pair of jeans or whatever else it is. And so I I think it's interesting just with the idea of baggage. It's sometimes we allow things to be in there that are taking up the place of something worth far greater value. And so I love the idea of virtue being the thing that we should open up all the space to her. Feminized for some reason. But, (laughs) (laughs) But opening up all the space for virtue and making sure that that has all the room it needs first and then kind of letting everything else fall into place around it. Yeah. No, I, I love that. Today, I came up with a list of things that I want to throw away. And then we also like associated it with the Stoic virtue. And we'll kind of explain the definition of the Stoic virtue when we assign it, um, just because not everybody's familiar with the, the four Stoic virtues. And then I think it kind of helps put it in place, right? So the first thing that I want to throw away is the attachment to the way that I think life should go. And the idea behind this, so the thing that I want to keep, right, it relates back to the Stoic virtue of wisdom and the Stoic virtue of wisdom, which interestingly, the Greek word for it is Sophia. Hmm. So if you meet anybody named Sophia. <laughs> That's very interesting. Uh, it means wisdom, but the pursuit of knowledge, understanding an insight into the nature of reality and the human condition. Wisdom also includes the ability to make sound judgments and decisions based on reason. And so what I've realized about life is when you're attached to life going the way that you think it should go, there's a lot of issues (laughs) with that because it basically never does. And so instead, I want to keep... And what I want to keep is this idea of collaboration with life rather than trying to control it. So it's like life makes you five foot eight and 135 pounds, for instance, as an example. It sounds very hypothetical. Yeah, it's very hypothetical. (laughs) Uh, Then one may choose to be a runner, right? So it's like life makes the first move, you make the second move. (laughs) Um, And I think it's, it's this kind of balance with life that way where you're working together to get an outcome rather than this you must do this life or I'm not happy I must be six foot five and be a basketball star and all that other stuff right so a bad way to apply that would be life makes you five foot eight 135 pounds and you say my dream is to be an offensive lineman in the NFL yeah yeah. (laughs) it's just not gonna go well a lot of McDonald's (laughs) (laughs) but even then like you would never get to the point where you could. Yeah, it's it's this cooperation and collaboration with life. Whereas, like, you can be angry about it your whole life, right? <laughs> but what difference does it make, <laughs> right? Um, it's certainly not a positive difference. Recently, if you guys didn't know, Bruce ran in the Boston Marathon. Mm. Uh, not so recent anymore, but <laughs> within the last few months. Um, but that was the goal you made quite a while ago and you worked for almost like a year to to get that goal and it kind of it feels like on that it all lined up so do you feel like you 
still felt attached to the way you wanted that to go? Or did you feel like you were more detached than that even when you got it? My new goal, like it, which is more of a to-be goal rather than a to-do goal, is to run as fast as I can. And so Boston was awesome. And I got what I had been working for for four years, right? And like training really hard for a lot of that. <laughs> um, but it... I don't need life to give that to me. And that's what I learned. So the first first marathon that I ran that was trying to qualify for Boston, like I ended up on the side of the road, right? Uh, because I had ran the whole thing and I was undernourished and undertrained and <laughs> didn't know what I was doing and had bad shoes and like all this other stuff. And so I ended up on the side of the road, like kind of convulsing, right? <laughs> as we all do. <laughs> as, as one does. <laughs> And, but I was so happy that day because I had given like my maximal effort. But that's, that's the thing is it's, it's turning internally, not externally, right? Like running Boston, PRing at Boston is awesome. Like that's, that's really great. But what's more great is the discipline that gets you there, right? And then the discipline the day after and the weeks after and the months after to continue to strive for something great, right? So it's not really any point in the process anymore. It's more of like, who am I? And what am I doing rather than, um, like, the goal? I know there's also a song by Great Big World. Some dots, they don't connect until the years go by. Okay, yeah, that was the line from <laughs> yeah, the song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but kind of the idea that, like, you can't, you can't control the future, although you can plan for it, but you can see in the past how it kind of all connected, kind of that collaboration with life. You can really see looking back. Everybody tells me, you know, you study this to get a job in this. And I say, well, they have a job in this without having studied this. And so it's just interesting how once once you get past the point, then you see how you got there. And although Mm. it's good to kind of plan to go there, it's impossible to really put that together totally until it happens. Kind of like what you said, when life takes you one way suddenly it becomes impossible and you have to shift and adjust. It's a true collaboration. Uh, and just like any, like, it's like Lennon and McCartney, right? Like John Lennon was very negative and McCartney was very positive, right? And so you get lyrics like, it's getting better all the time, which is a Paul McCartney line. And then, and then John Lennon comes in and sings, it can't get no worse, right? <laughs> the second thing that I want to throw away is... The need for approval from those who think poorly of me. And what I want to keep instead is if I can say I'm doing my best, that's enough, right? And again, that's that's going back to the idea of wisdom or of like the ability to make sound judgment based off of reason. Yeah. And since we're both stealing each other's quotes for this episode, oh, okay. <laughs> I I found this poem I really like. <laughs> Just kidding. This is one of Bruce's uh, landmark poems of his life, maybe we'll call it. But I I really like the what it conveys about this specific thing to get rid of. But it says when you when you get what you want in your struggle for self, and the world makes you king for a day, just go to the mirror. And look at yourself and see what that man has to say. For it isn't your father or mother or wife whose judgment upon you must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts most in your life is the one staring back from the glass. 
He's the fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with you, clear to the end. And you've passed your most difficult, dangerous test, if the man in the glass is your friend. You may fool the whole world down the pathway of years, and get pats on the back as you pass, but your final reward will be heartache and tears, if you've cheated the man in the glass. By Peter Dale Wimbro Sr. But what I like about that is... Kind of at the end of the day, you know, people come and go and we've talked about relationships, you know, at some point they will end, you know, Mm -hmm. either you will die or they will die or the relationship will die. (laughs) (laughs) But what's cool is, you know, you'll always have yourself and you have to be able to look at that person and be friends with that person and love being with that person to really love your life. Yeah, and there's something that feels so right about this poem in a way because it's just like, yeah, go to the mirror and take a look at yourself and see what that man has to say. Right. And I like how what you're throwing away is that need for the approval of others and in a way just focusing on the man in the glass. It's a mirror, by the way, just in case. (laughs) In case there's any confusion there. But (laughs) yourself. Yeah. But the that need for that. And I can totally see how that's such an easy thing to start. Once you get some of it, you crave more of it. Mm. If you don't get it, then you want some of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of this cycle that never quite satiates until you can look at yourself honestly. And I like how the, the poem says, be the friend of the man in the mirror. Oh, I might be. Whoa. Looks like you haven't read this 6,000 times. I just <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's basically it, right? Like, um, if the man in the glass is your friend. So I love your point about the need for approval. um, Because it just needs to be a preferred indifferent, right? Like, it's great. It's wonderful to have people think good things about you. That's definitely preferred, right? Especially if they're your spouse. or <laughs> Like, right. you, you'd want to have it, you know? Um, but needing it is a whole different thing. Um, because, like, when you need something that's outside of yourself and you can't get it, what do you do? You'd be sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like... You feel pain. You're kind of like a cocaine addict, right? Like, that just needs their next fix, you know? And, like, that person has to give it to you. But then when you get rid of the need, right, where it's like, I want this, like, I prefer this. But what I really need is the man in the glass to be my friend. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. But putting it into practice is a (laughs) whole different thing. Yeah, and that's why it's practice. So the final thing that I want to throw away is the need for certainty. Ooh. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> uh, and this one's, this one, the the thing that I want to keep, I mean, I guess I could explain, like, we want certainty so bad in life. Like, we really do. Like, uh, we have thousands of religions, <laughs> right? Uh and all of them, like, what is the core the core promise of most religions, right? Is, is some type of existential certainty to your life, right? Like, really like the idea of, of uh, certainty and why. Because the world is fundamentally uncertain. And that's, that's ultimately the reality, right? 
uh, is there's there's no insurance policy that can't be destroyed by a large enough volcano, <laughs> right? And and so we say we can insure life, but we can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just we just can't, right? And so um, the idea with this is courage, right? And so courage in Stoicism is not limited to physical bravery, but extends to the willingness to face and endure any difficulty or hardship that arises in life. It's acting in accordance with one's principles and values, even in the face of adversity, and maintaining a steadfast commitment to do what is morally right. And so what I'm trying to do and what I want to keep in place of uncertainty is just the willingness to act in my principles, right? So it's like, I don't know the outcome. And it's being all right with that. Because nobody really does completely, right? With a complete certainty. And so it's like, it's it's accepting that I don't, know how things are going to pan out, but it's like acting in accordance with my, my principles anyway. Mm. Larry Gallowicz talks about this and he's the Highland rugby coach where like there's a, there's a school in Salt Lake that had a rugby team that won a bajillion. He's like one of the most winning coaches of all time of any sport. Wow. It's like 432 wins and like <laughs> almost no losses. Right. Wow. Uh, but his thing was like, he would tell his players, so if, if God, he came down, like you're down 40 points in the fourth quarter of a game, assuming that rugby has quarters, it doesn't. Anyway. <laughs> I can't correct you on yeah, that. Yeah, so it's been a while since I heard this. But like, we basically, it's like if God came down in the fourth quarter of a game and you were down by 40 points, uh, but he, he said, you will win this game. If you try your hardest, how would you act? And then Larry Gallagher says, just like, act like that always, <laughs> right? Because, like, you have this unwavering faith in the outcome, right? Um, and so stoicism is, is beautiful for that. It's like, yeah, you, do, you don't have that certainty in sports or in life, but if you acted as if you knew the outcome was going to be amazing, right? If you just gave it your all and if you just dealt with the circumstances, like how much more grief could you deal with? Right. Like how much more adversity or struggle? Like, yeah, if if you fumbled the ball in the fourth quarter and they, they, they scored a touchdown, you'd be like, yeah, it's whatever. Like, I know we're going to win. I'm still trying my hardest. Right. Um, but I really do think there's like a, a real amount of power behind that idea. At the end of the day, if you're wrong, you scored more points in the game. <laughs> than you would have. Right. Right? Worst case scenario, you do better than you would have. Yeah, it's it's a dominant strategy. Like if we're talking game theory, like it's always a winning strategy. An interesting way I've kind of seen that. There was there was this moment I was watching some movie. I can't remember what movie it was, but you know how something something on Hallmark. Something I'm sure it's something <laughs> Hallmark. Uh, but there's always kind of the craziest things happen in movies. And then somebody comes to, like, console somebody else or somebody. They have, like, a difficult conversation. And the person always has the perfect line. Mm-hmm. And, so, and and it's just, like, how would I ever say something like that? You, you know, yeah. like, somebody's crying in the car and they say, it's all my fault, you know. And somebody comes over and they're like, it is all your fault. <laughs> and they go, what? You know, and then they have this moment where he says, it's your fault that I'm a better person. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever the line is. But it's like, to me, I kind of see the, the courage to like say that opening line of like, it is all your fault. Or like something mm. that shouldn't work, but because they, 
and in some ways maybe because they have the certainty of the script, they know how the person can respond and they're going to respond well to it. And so they just say things that are just so bold. And there was a moment where I was, I, I thought to myself, why don't I pretend I'm in a movie and act like this script is all written out and the ending is perfect. Mm-hmm. And kind of that same idea of assuming that things are going to turn out good, but with or having that certainty that everything will turn out good, but well, not needing the certainty. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually, I have a new idea since we've been talking, which is like, you can be absolutely certain that you're going to have the best outcome possible if you continue to act in accordance with your principles, right? Mm. So you can 100% you can trust that every time. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. Like, it's an uncertain outcome. But 100% you can always trust that if you act in accordance with virtue, you're going to get the best possible outcome. Right. And so that can give you a lot of confidence, right? Right. No, that's so true. And kind of going along with a lot of the examples we've made, in like schooling, relationships, businesses, you know, doing it according to your principles will make it so even if you get kicked out of the program because you, I don't know, refused to cheat or something, (laughs) it was better for you to get kicked out and live according to your principles than 10 years down the line realize you hate what you're doing because it's against yourself. Or in a relationship, you know, you say what you need to say and if it lasts, then it lasts. And that's beautiful. And if it doesn't, you saved yourself a lot of time. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> eventually it would have fallen apart. Yeah. So, I mean, and going back to the the absolute measure of success, right, which is staring in the man in the mirror, right? Like, you can have absolute certainty that you're going to enjoy that, that conversation hmm. with yourself if you act in accordance with your principles. And then... Um, yeah, and then, too, like, when you're not attached to some specific version of how life needs to go um, and you're collaborating with it rather than controlling it, you're going to get the best outcome possible, right? Yeah. And the best outcome isn't anything external. It's always you, right? It's it's your your virtue. And I think the, the man in the mirror poem is a good way to end it, coming back to that one, because I think it kind of is overarching for all the things we do, you know, any kind of spring cleaning you do, even you, the viewer uh, or the listener in your own lives, any spring cleaning you do of removing anything and replacing it with virtue will make that conversation with the man slash woman in the mirror all the better. So we're going to go to another experience that you've had in an airplane <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> as we get into the stoic reimagining. For this week's Stoic Reimagining, we were inspired by a plane flight that I had where I sat in front of a woman that complained for the entire four-hour flight about everything imaginable. So first she was complaining about how she flew to this place, and then the person that she met wasn't what she expected. I think it was like a lover or something. I don't know. A catfish? A catfish. It was was like a big catfish in her (laughs) opinion. And then uh, she had missed a flight, and so she was on this flight, right, and then needed to get to a Greyhound that was like 400 bucks, and she was complaining about that for half the flight. And then 
It was just like everything imaginable. The system, like everything for four hours. Sounds delightful. (laughs) (laughs) And then when we landed, she had about an hour to get to her Greyhound, which was five minutes away. Because I I heard her talking to the people and and doing the math. But uh, there was somebody on the plane that needed medical help. So they were like pausing the plane to help this person get off. And she would not have it. She was so like, I'm not missing my $400 Greyhound for this. It's like she had an hour, right? And so she was a rather large individual. And so she's running down the, 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 uh, like everybody's like telling people to sit down, right? And she runs down the aisle of the plane off the plane. The flight attendants just get out of the way. They're like, we're not dealing with this. Yeah. And then the poor guy that was sitting next to her, like three or four people came up to him after and said, you have way more patience than me. <laughs> like you're a saint or whatever for listening to that. So anyway, our stoic reimagining this week is basically just a challenge. And Justin and I are going to take our best shots at summarizing her whole conversation in one sentence. Yes. So... Let's see. We're going to start with, I traveled to this place, and the person was not who I thought they were. Then I got a Greyhound for $400, and I need to catch that, and I have one hour to catch it when we land. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to try to top it in time? I don't know. In, in, in less words than that, <laughs> I went on a trip. It wasn't what I expected. Now I'm back home. Okay. That's what she okay. could tell her husband at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. So is she still with her husband? Yeah, it was it was complicated. I didn't quite understand all the nuances of it. <laughs> Perhaps that's why she was complaining so much about marriage. I don't know. I don't know. Mm, okay. I, I didn't ask. I should have asked. I could have got the whole story probably. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, save yourself some time. Be a stoic. Now, we'll go to the outro. On the plane, when I asked the question, who or what am I resisting, what came to my mind was love. I realized I was so focused on those who didn't love me that I wasn't letting those who did in. The final thing that I'm throwing away on the stoic spring cleaning day is the need for love from those who won't give it to me and an open heart for those who will. Sometimes it's about bringing the beautiful things in rather than just eliminating.